All right, let's turn the Word of God to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 in the Word of God. Philippians 3. Amen. Aren't you glad when everything else is bouncing around? Amen. He's there to, he's there to hold you in place. Philippians 3, and we'll read verses 17 through 21. Philippians 3, uh, verses 17 through 21. And uh, so I got to remember the clock back there is not working. So if I go by that, we're going to be here a long time, which is fine, fine with me. You guys are the ones that get hungry. Philippians 3, verses 17 through 21 say this in the Word of God. Aren't you glad we have the Word of God? Amen. Glad we have it. And Philippians 3, verse 17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them which walk as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, we praise you and glory in you. And Lord, we thank you, uh, dear God, that you're always in control, that you're our anchor, Lord, and uh, you hold us in place. And uh, Lord, we're thankful for that. And Lord, we're glad that we can say, Lord, we trust you or and or. Lord, we look down and we see your faithfulness uh, to us in the past. And so, Lord, we know that you'll be faithful in the future. And Lord, we rest in that. Lord, that's our, our peace, uh, dear God, despite what may be going on in our life. Lord, I pray for each one that's here this morning. Lord, I pray for each one that's listening. Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us, Lord. We need you this morning. We desire you this morning. Lord, you know uh, every need in our life, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's financial, or, uh, Lord, just uh, something going on in life, dear God, you know the need. So we ask you to step in and do. Lord, that one that's here today or maybe listening that is not yet saved, again, we pray for that one, again, that the Holy Spirit of God would convict that heart, touch that heart, open that heart, and draw that heart. Uh, Lord, it'd be a great thing to see uh, uh, somebody get saved or hear about somebody uh, getting saved. Lord, we think of those that uh, perhaps we uh, witnessed to uh, this week. Lord, I think of that young lady, uh, Jennifer, uh, that spoke to the other day. And uh, others have mentioned about people that they spoke to and witnessed to this week. Lord, work in those hearts as well. And so our desire today is that Jesus Christ would be glorified, people would get the help they need, and you'd build your local church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I meant to mention, I pray for a young lady named Jennifer, Jennifer, uh, that I met the other day, the other day I was uh, pumping gas, and I noticed a young lady coming out of the uh, gas station there walking to her car, boy, tears just rolling down her uh, face, and she was wiping tears, and she got in her car, which just happened to be on the other side of where I was getting my gas, and so uh, I just <laughs> went up, and <laughs> she sat there for a minute, so I just went up, knocked on her window, and she wrote it down. I said, I said, you all right? And uh, she shared something with me going on. I said, yeah, I know life's not easy sometimes. I said, that's why we need the Lord, and I uh, talked to her a little bit and gave her a, a track and put the number on it, so pray that she'll call or maybe she'll show up at uh, church. But again, uh, that's why we need to pay attention to what's going on around us, 
and I know many of you do, and I appreciate that, but pray for uh, Jennifer. All right, as we look at uh, these uh, verses, notice again verse 18. We'll start there. Philippians 3.18 says, This, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping <laughs> that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. <laughs> notice that statement for a moment. The enemies of the cross of Christ. Now think about that. You, <laughs> you think, how could anybody or why would anybody want to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. Just think about that for a moment, the cross of Christ. Of course, the cross is the center and, and the soul and the heartbeat of Christianity, right? It's all about the cross. We thank God for the cross and the, the, the price that was paid there and the blood that was shed there. And, of course, when we think about the cross, uh, according to the Bible and as believers, the cross uh, represents many things to us. We can't look at the cross, of course, without thinking about uh, the love of God. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us. How do we know that? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do we know God loved us? Well, we just got to look at the cross. The fact that he allowed Jesus to hang on that cross and go to that cross and die and shed his blood upon that cross lets us know that there's a God that loves us. Of course, we think of the cross, uh, we think of mercy and forgiveness. Colossians 2.14 tells us what he did at that cross, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Hey, hey, listen, boy, there was a long list uh, uh, against us. Boy, uh, uh, the devil, I'm sure he likes to make lists. And boy, he made a long list. I'm saying, man, he said, hey, that Stuart, he's guilty of all these things. And you're guilty of this and you're guilty of that. And boy, Jesus reached over and snatched that list and give me that list. Amen. I'm going to take that list to the cross. It says, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way. And what he do with that long list that was against us? He nailed it to his cross. Thank God for that. And of course, the cross represents peace. Colossians 1.20, it says, Jesus, and having made peace. How? How did God make peace and provide peace for us? Through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things on himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in uh, heaven. And so we could, of course, uh, we hear a lot of preaching on the cross and we could spend a lot of time preaching on the cross. But we understand what the cross represents and what happened there. Boy, when you think about that, when you think about a holy God giving his only begotten son uh, to go to that cross and shed his blood, you think, especially once you believe that, how could or why would anybody want to be an enemy of such love? We ought to be an enemy of such mercy, be an enemy of such opportunity. Boy, Paul now, of course, uh, once he got saved, he gloried in the cross. Galatians 6, 14 says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Amen. Once you get saved, you realize, hey, everything that's been done in my life, I can't take any credit. Well, when I look back over 35 years, I, I thank God for everything he's done, but I can take no credit. I give all the glory to Jesus, amen? I give all the glory to that shed blood. I give all the glory to the cross of Christ. And I pray that you're saved and you can glory in that cross. But here it mentions that, it, uh, unbelievably, there's enemies of the cross. And think about it, those enemies aren't everybody that you might think they are. 
Let's uh, look at that thought for a minute. Who are these enemies of the cross of Christ? Well, let's, in, in context, uh, uh, just to note that for a moment, Paul referred to perhaps a couple of different groups. Of course, we know uh, there were the uh, 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 Judaizers there, right, doctrinally, who denied the value of the cross of Christ. They didn't see any value. They didn't believe in Christ. And then, of course, there were the, uh, what they called the uh, Epicurean Antimonians. Uh, why, did they, why did they have to choose such a big name for themselves? Well, that's what they were called. Of course, uh, now here's the thing about them. They professed a belief, but their loose living denied the cross of the Christ, right? And, uh, and so they made a profession, if you will, but gave no evidence of a possession. And so, of course, you know the word enemy means uh, uh, to hate something, to be hostile against it. And, of course, most would never admit that. Boy, most people, if you went out there, uh, even if they don't believe they'd say, are you an enemy of the cross? Oh, my, no, not, not me. But they may not say with their words, but they definitely say it in their ways and in the way they live their life. You know, there's a there's a, a maybe a false thought out there, if you will, that you know somebody that we might be considered an enemy of the cross. Well, well, of course, you know, an atheist so that's definitely an enemy of the cross, or uh, those that speak openly against. Uh, maybe Jesus Christ, you might say, or they have some other religion. We can say, oh, well, sure, they're enemies of the cross. But, you know, and that's true. We know that the atheists and the people that would speak against it and people that have other religions, we could certainly say, okay, they fall in the category of enemy of the cross. But, you know, the Bible teaches and shows that there are those that even claim to be a friend of the cross. They even claim to believe uh, what Jesus did, but in action, they're an enemy of the cross. Titus 1.16 puts it this way. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. And those are people that profess they know God. Those that profess that, oh, yeah, no, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he, he did that. Yeah, I believe he went to the cross. So the sad thing is many of the enemies of cross are indeed people that claim to be believers or claim that they understand what Jesus did on the cross. And here in this verse, it talks about some of the actions of those enemies. Notice what it says in verse 19 about these enemies of the cross. It says, who God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. And look at this, they mind earthly things. Notice it says, whose God is their belly. Romans 16, 18 says this, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that. Serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the self. Boy, these are people that might even talk about the cross. But really, it's not about Jesus. It's not about uh, uh, lifting him up. It's not about getting somebody saved. It's really about them. You see, they glory, you see, they glory in what they should be ashamed of, their carnal living, right? Their carnal living, they glory in that. And then they're ashamed of what they should glory in, the cross of Christ or Christian living. And so verse 19, notice that statement again, whose glory is, whose glory is. That word glory has a reference to their reputation, this is uh, how they built their reputation. 
And what is it? Their glory is in their shame. Why? Because they are ruled not by things that glorify God, not the things that please God, not the things that show that their life's been changed by the gospel, but they're ruled by the sensual, right? They mind earthly things. They're ruled by the sensual. They're ruled by the shameful. And they're ruled by the secular, the things that please the flesh, the things that are glorified in the world, right? It says, whose God is their belly, right? Their, their desires are uh, excess of, they live in the excess, whether it's excess of food, whether it's excess of drink, whether it's excess of uh, uh, sex or all the things that please the flesh, those are their the desires. Second Timothy 3, 4 talks about these that are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. <laughs> lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Boy, you know, I, I think about that. Sometimes I think about people, they, they, they've, uh, again, you know, you might look at them not even think, oh, well, that's, that guy doesn't seem like a bad person. She doesn't seem like a, a bad lady, but there's something in their life. They've heard the gospel. It's been clearly presented to them. <laughs> they've been to church and maybe they have friends that are true believers. And, and, and in their mind, they say, yep, I, I believe, boy, Jesus is the only way. I believe that. I believe he was God when he hung on that cross. And boy, they'll give you a few yeses. But for whatever reason, there's something in their life holding them back. There's some, whether it's, whether it's some pleasure that they just don't want to let go of. There's some uh, uh, pleasure that for whatever reason up to this point in their life, they still love that thing. They still want to hold on to that thing more than they want to hold on to Jesus, more than they want to hold on to God, whether they want to come and receive Jesus Christ uh, as their Savior. It's not necessarily somebody out there living some wild life, <laughs> Right? If you saw them or met them, you might think, oh, man, that's just a, seems like a, a good person. But yet there's something in their heart that for whatever reason, up until that point, they've just chosen that over the cross of Christ. They've chosen that over repentance of sin. They've chosen that life for whatever reason over eternal life up to this point in their life. It says they mind Earthly things. So it shows you where their, their mind is, their desire. That mind means what they care for. Their will, right? Uh, most conscious decisions are about the will. They will. They make that conscious decision to choose these things or this thing or this way of life over coming to Christ, over the things of God. Their affections and conscience are, for whatever reason, are still devoted to that particular sin or that particular thing in their life, right? With conscious decision, they've given themselves over, hold on to that thing more than they've made a conscious decision to finally let go of it and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You might say it this way, they, they, they've chosen instant gratification over eternal glorification, Amen. They've chosen instant gratification, the things of this life and the things of this world over eternal glorification, amen, that comes through Christ. And so that, that's just an amazing thing. If you, if you ever really understand what Jesus uh, Christ. Now, hey, before I got saved, I'd heard the gospel, 
But when it was way over here, you know, it was kind of easy to reject. But the night I got saved and it was right here, you know, that all of a sudden he didn't just die. He died for me and shed his blood. And, and I realized he did for that for me personally. Man, I, and the Holy Spirit of God, I thought, how in the world can I stay any longer an enemy of the cross knowing that he did that uh, uh, for me? And, but notice Paul's reaction to these enemies of the cross. He says again in verse 18, I've told you often. You know, Paul clearly warned and preached against the offenders and pretenders of the cross. And we should. Hey, listen, if somebody thinks they're okay, if somebody just thinks, well, I'm a, I'm a good person, I'm not out there uh, living some uh, wild life, pretty much, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a respectable uh, uh, person. Hey, you know what? We need to preach to them. We need to say, listen, you need to wake up. You need to be shaken up. Uh, you need to realize, hey, it doesn't matter uh, 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 about, uh, uh, listen, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you're still under condemnation, no matter how well you think you live your life, because you have not yet accepted him. And so we need to, to warn them to, to wake up and that God would shake them up. And they let go of whatever that thing is, whatever that pleasure is, whatever that desire is, that whatever it is they're holding on to and choosing that for whatever reason, they're letting it hold them back from finally making the decision to receive Jesus Christ. And boy, that broke Paul's heart. He says, notice what he, he says there in verse 18, the thought, you see, uh, uh, because he knew, he clearly understood what it was to be an enemy of the cross. And now that he, uh, uh, thank God, the day that Jesus showed up and met him on the, the, the road to Damascus, that day he accepted. And then when he got the full comprehension of who Jesus Christ is and the full understanding of the great price that Christ paid for his soul, he thought, how in the world? Don't you think that way? I mean, when you witness to somebody, don't you think, Man, what is it they're not getting? What is it they're not understanding? Now that you're on this side because you have a, a better understanding. Even you look at yourself, you said, man, I heard the gospel five years before I got saved. How in the world, what was wrong with me? How in the world could I have remained an enemy of the cross five more years? Or how in the world, if they really uh, uh, got a clear uh, presentation of the gospel, what in the world are they waiting for? How in the world would they want to remain an enemy of the cross when they know if this very moment they return, amen, from their sin and repent and put their trust in the death, burial, resurrection, finished blood, shed blood of Christ, that they can be saved? Why would they any longer want to be an enemy of the cross of Christ? And Paul understood that. And what did it do? It broke his heart. It broke his heart. And that's what it should do to us. When we, if we have a loved one or, or we have someone that we've been witnessing to for some time and for whatever reason, they just won't cross that line. They just won't make that final decision. Man, we ought to pray, God, Break my heart. Lord, if, you're, if, if for whatever reason their heart hasn't been broken yet, Lord, break my heart and convict my heart. And it broke Paul's heart that there were people all around him that he'd preached to, all around him that these had witnessed to. And it says, what was his response? There in 18, he says, I say unto you, and I've said it often. And he says, now tell you even weeping. You see, weeping, this is the reaction and this is the spirit of those that love the Lord and love souls. Man, when, when I hear people 
I, I, I've been around, uh, uh, unfortunately, people that, I mean, I think they're saved, but they become callous in their witnessing. Well, if that's what we're going to be, they just deserve to go to hell. Or they just deserve light. Well, let them go on. That ought not to be the heart of anybody that would claim to be a child of God. Anytime, hey, when you see somebody uh, take your track and rip it up or whatever like that, you know, boy, it's, it's easy to, you know, uh, sort of, you know, sometimes you want to react uh, uh, in the flesh or, or, or uh, things, things happen. We ought to say, oh, God, oh, God, burn my heart for that soul. God, burn my heart uh, uh, for, that, uh, for that person. This should be the reaction. We should weep. God's, I think anybody that has a, a heart for souls will have a weeping heart. David, God's servant in Psalm 119, 136 said this. Psalm 119, verse 136, David said, Rivers of waters run down mine eyes. Why? Because they keep not thy law. He, David, he, said, he says, Lord, I just don't understand why they don't want to be serious about serving you. Lord, I don't understand. When, when they read the word of God and they see what a, what a merciful and gracious and loving and, and caring God you are, when they see how good you are, Lord, it breaks my heart that they would want to serve you. It breaks my heart that they would want to, amen, give in and live a life according to the word of God. You know, I think about this, you know, here, here, here we see Paul weeping. And what's sort of amazing is uh, Philippians. What, what, what do we call Philippians? It's known as what? The jailhouse joy letter. <laughs> it's supposed to be a book about joy. It's supposed to be, hey, uh, uh, though, Paul, though Paul's in jail, he's still excited about God. And he's still excited about what God is doing, right? It's the jailhouse joy letter. But yet in the midst of a letter of joy, we see sorrow and weeping. Why? Because even in the midst of his joy, it still breaks his heart and makes him weep that there would be anybody that would desire to be an enemy of the cross. And hey, and that's how we should be. Hey, we're saved. Hey, I'm excited I'm saved. Hey, I get to serve God. I'm excited I get to serve God. Hey, I know the will of God for my life. Hey, I know the promises of God. Amen. I have the privilege of prayer. I have the, the privilege of worshiping with my brothers and sisters. Hey, that's exciting. I've got joy. I've got joy. But in the midst of that joy, amen, let us not lose our heart and burden for souls like Paul that it would break our heart that anybody. You see, despite the foolishness of their decision, those enemies, he cared for their soul and did not want them to face a crisis eternity or destruction. And that's what he says here. Again, verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often now weeping, they are what the enemies of Christ, and look at this, verse 18, whose end is destruction. He understood their present condition and he understood their future condition if they never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That word destruction means to destroy fully. Listen to this thought right here. It refers to the state of death wherein exclusion from salvation is a realized fact. Think about that for a moment. What is it talking about in destruction? It's talking about the state of death wherein one comes to the conscious reality that they've been excluded from salvation and hell 
is going to be, and separation from God is going to be the eternal state. In other words, they died and they realized, I got it wrong. I missed it. This is the cold fact. I'm lost for eternity. And because Paul understood that was their end, he wanted them. In other words, they understood at that moment, it's too late. It's too late. My fate is sealed. That's He understood what destruction meant. And Paul would not wish the consequences of hell on his worst enemy or even an enemy of the cross. He remembered where he came from. As we, no matter how long we've been saved, should always remember where we came from. Titus 3.3 says this, For we ourselves, well, let's remember that. Boy, when, 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 when we witness to somebody and, and we don't like the reaction they gave us and, 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 and maybe they are confrontation or whatever the case is, right? Remember, we ourselves, amen, before we got saved. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures. And you remember, remember that life? Living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another, verse 3, but thank God for verse 4. But, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Amen. But after, amen. Hey, things changed. Once, amen, Jesus appeared on the scene. Jesus appeared in our life, and we believed on him. After that, everything changed. You see, uh, the world, the, the enemies of cross, they're, they're, they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But thank God we got saved. And why is our life different? Why do we live different? Because now, hopefully, the way it should be, we're lovers of God more than lovers of pleasure. Amen. <laughs> what, 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 what stops me from living the life I used to live? What stops me from doing the things I used to do? Well, I fell in love with Jesus. Amen. He, I found out he loved me and he saved me, and I fell in love with Jesus. Right? Boy, those flesh still desires those things. Well, but what, what holds me back? Amen. Uh, lovers of God more than lovers of pleasure. That's what controls uh, our life now. You see, believers are the opposite. Amen. We fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul indeed had fallen in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he could say this. Look at, go back to verse 17. Notice the testimony he gave. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk as ye have us for an example. You see, uh, verse 17 talks about his walk. Verse 18 talks about the walk of the enemies of Christ. You see, and so even, even some of those enemies of Christ, they, had a they made a profession, but their life didn't show a possession. So that's the question. Hey, you, you, the, the, uh, Paul had a talk. The enemies of the cross had a talk. But the question was, did the walk line up with the talk? <laughs> with people like Paul, the walk did line up with the talk. Uh, those that pro professed but didn't uh, show it in their life, their walk didn't line up with their talk. But Paul's walk lined up with his talk so he could be bold about it. What a wonderful thing to have the boldness to say to somebody, we are examples of how to live for Christ. I don't think he said that in an arrogant way, but he wasn't ashamed that his life had been changed by the gospel. We don't need to be ashamed that our life has been changed by the gospel. 
Hey, I, I hope I can, I, I can say to people, not in a, in a brag way or an arrogant way, hey, I hope uh, I can be an example uh, to my grandchildren and others of how a Christian should live, of how a servant of God should live. I hope I, we can give that testimony. You see, in sample, you know, thank God for every faithful servant God allows us to know or meet that sets a high standard for us and inspires us to be more like Jesus. Again, why do you think I, I, I'm always talking about my friend, Brother Crabb? Because he set a high standard for me. He was a good example for me. He was, was an example I could follow. Hey, uh, uh, last week, uh, the other week, I went to this meeting with Pastor Cole where he got me real sick. That wasn't a good example, was it? He wasn't a good example physically, I'll say that, but he was a good example spiritually. Listen, you, I, I'll be honest with you, don't let him hear this, but I, I didn't really want to go to that meeting. That's just, you know, if it was me, I just wouldn't have gone. Not that I didn't enjoy, I got to meet some people I hadn't seen in a while, but just me on my own, I wouldn't have went to that meeting. Why did I want to go to that meeting? What made me want to go to that meeting? Because I enjoy hanging around Pastor Cole, because he's a good example to me. He challenges me spiritually, right? I get excited. Now, Brother Lester, I know your brother goes there. Don't you be telling on me, right? Right? But I, I, just, I just wanted to hang around God's man. To me, Pastor Cole is God's man. And I just wanted to hang around God's man. And maybe by the end of the week, I'd get right with God. But he got sick and I had to come home before I got right with God. So sorry about that. I tried, guys. I really tried. I made it. I tried. I wanted to. Amen. But anyways, but you know, that's the, when I see people with a sincere love for God, that just, I want to be around them. I thank God. I say, God, thanks for bringing that example into my life. I'm glad you have, there's people in my life I can say, that's an example I want to follow. I want to love Jesus like they love Jesus. I want to be a prayer like they pray. I want to be a soul winner like they're a soul winner. Thank God for that. And Paul wasn't ashamed. And listen, if you're faithful to God, don't be afraid, amen? Again, of course, if you are right with God, you're not going to have an arrogant spirit and prideful spirit about it anyways, but that you can say that, hey, listen, God brought me into your life to sort of help you and guide you along the way of how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for real Christians. Paul was a real Christian. And I thank God to you, amen? I thank God for the real Christians uh, that we have. And it says here, and what is the, what's the result of being a real Christian? Well, we don't mind earthly things because verse 20 tells us this. We're different, right? And how are we different? Verse 20 tells us, for our conversation is in heaven. You see, our mind is somewhere else. Our heart is somewhere else as believers. Our conversation, and of course, you know the word conversation means life, citizenship. You see, he's talking to those in Philippi, right? Uh, Philippi was where? It was in Macedonia, right? You, you can still go see the ruins of Philippi. If you, it's, it's a nice place to visit. But the ruins of the Philippi was in Macedonia, but it was a colony of Rome. So even though it was in Macedonia, it was governed by the laws of Rome, right? And so that was a good, that's why he could give that example, Hey, just like, you know, you're, in, you're located in Macedonia, but you're governed, right, by Rome. You guys have a, have a special citizenship, 
right? Because you're connected to Rome. Well, that's what the church is. Though the church is in the world, it's governed by what? The laws of heaven, if you will, you see? And so we have a special, even though we're in the world, we have a special citizenship, right? We have a special connection with another place. And that's what governs. You see, they could, just like Paul was a citizen of Rome, how many times that help him out? He could claim, well, you know, hey, do you always beat Romans when they show up, you know? Oh, man, we just messed up, right? Because he had that connection. And he wasn't afraid to claim that connection, and it benefited him, amen? It's a benefit in this world to claim the citizenship of heaven, amen? And that we have that connection. You see, our church is a colony of heaven on earth, governed by heaven's laws. You see, heaven, it's where we find our head, it's where we find our home, it's where we find our hope, and that's where we should find our heart, amen, in heaven. That's where our conversation, our citizenship is. See, so we find heavenly, so our mind is on heavenly things, not earthly things. At least it should be as a believer. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 challenges us to that. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, right? Get your mind on there where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, there it is, on things above, not on the things of the earth. You're a child of God, amen. You're not a, you're not a, you're not a foe of the cross, you're a friend of the cross, amen. And so things should be different. Romans 8, 5 puts it this way. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Well, that, that shows right there. Why do they mind worldly things? Because they're of the world. They're enemies of the cross. So, of course, they're going to mind the things of the flesh. But notice it goes on to say this. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You see, there should be a clear evidence. So, hey, when I look at my life, not that we never make a mistake, but on a regular basis, for the most part of my life, am I minding earthly things or am I minding heavenly things? Am I desiring the things that I want or am I desiring the things that he wants? What do I see? Can this work? Can I look at this, the, the, these verses here and see clearly, do I find myself as a friend of the cross or a foe of the cross? I think you, if you're honest with yourself, you can look in these verses and be able to know the difference. You see, citizens, because citizens as a rule, right? Forget about what's going on. But citizens as a rule, honor the country they are from. Honor the country. Doesn't matter what country. Hey, I love traveling, right? I'm glad I've got to travel, but everywhere I want, I'm not ashamed to say, hey, I'm an American. I'm glad to say, and every matter of fact, when we were getting kicked out of Bulgaria uh, years ago by the communists, uh, we sort of joke, well, uh, what, what are they going to do? Uh, kick us and make us go back to the greatest country on earth? You know, we sort of said, of course, we didn't want to leave. That's where, you know, uh, but still, we thought, hey, we're coming back here. But every country I've been to, I was proud to say I was an American. I was glad to honor the country that I was a citizen of. But in America, I'm glad to say, hey, I'm a citizen of heaven, and I want to honor that country. I'm proud to say that I'm saved and I'm a citizen of heaven. We see that in Abraham's life. It says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Other saints, at the end of Hebrews 11, it says, talks about all those that they didn't have time to talk about, right? It says, but now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. They knew they were citizens of another country. 
You see, that is where our heart and mind is, you see? And thank God, not right now our heart and mind should be there, but thank God one day our body is going to be there. Amen? Amen, sister? <laughs> Amen? Hopefully before Thursday, right? <laughs> Amen? Amen? Uh, uh, that's where our, and that's what it says right here. That's how these verses. It says, for our conversation is heaven, and what about it? From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God today my mind should be in heaven. My heart should be in heaven. My desire should be in heaven. And then I look for the promise that one day this old body is going to be heaven. Who shall what? Change our vile body. Thank God we have that promise. One day we will change. 1 John 3, 2 put it this way. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. Titus 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to that day. At least you should be if you're saved. But I ask you, my friend, as we finish up here, looking at the Scriptures, going by the Scriptures, not by your own reasoning, this morning, do you find yourself a friend of the cross? Hey, I know I'm saved. I mind heavenly things. I'm looking forward, amen, to that day. Or do you find yourself a foe of the cross? You look at it and say, well, I, I know I say a lot of things and I, I try to do a lot of good things, but if I'm honest with myself, I've not yet accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. So if I was honest before God, before man, and before myself, I'd have to admit I can't say I'm a friend, I'm a foe, and I've not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. So the cross of Christ, are you friend or foe? If you're honest with yourself... Are you earthly-minded? I mean, what is that one thing? What is that one thing that for whatever, that one pleasure, that one whatever, that you're holding on to and for whatever reason, you're choosing that? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God or lovers of something there more than lovers of God or really more than lovers of your own soul because it's the cross that determines the destiny of your soul. Which do you love more, pleasures or God? So I'm not asking what you say with your lips. I'm asking what you say with your life, which gives the true evidence of where you stand when it comes to the cross of Christ. So this morning as we finish up and as we're about to pray, I say, Fred, hey, if you find, you know you're a citizen of heaven, joy, amen, joy and excitement. But at the same time, as we go through life and have the joy of being saved, let us keep the burden, amen, for those that are yet enemies of the cross, for those that are yet headed to destruction. Lord, when's the last time I wept over souls? And again, if you're not sure about that this morning, we pray that today, if you're listening, amen, give us a text or give us a call. If you're here this morning, amen, and you need to get that settled, come and let the Lord help you this morning. Let's pray.